I was going to, you know, not make fun of you for placing an order for something and then immediately deciding to cancel it. No, no. I think we should talk about it because I did cancel it. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 323 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Fosma Moon and Seth Miller. Uh, close to being Happy New Year, gentlemen. Indeed. Uh, Are we finally leaving 2020? Yeah, but I just think like it's going to be like anything the 13th. Change? I think it's going to be the 13th month of 2020. I feel like <laughs> we're going into Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's going to be March like 200, you know, 312th, and it's still going to be a shit show. But hey. <laughs> It is it is hard to believe that it has been uh, nine months of this, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, but hey, a million people went to the airport this week, this past week, six of the nine days, six of ten days, something like that. I, I look forward to the numbers that we have in fourteen days. Yeah, yeah, and by look forward to, I I dread it. But yeah. anyway, uh, you know what's funny is I was having a conversation with uh, people complaining about crowds at airports. That, too, yes. Uh, people who are traveling complaining <laughs> yes. about crowds at airports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's funny, I was talking to a coworker of mine in Montreal, and they're pretty much on a, on a lockdown. So people are actually getting fined uh, for gathering in groups more large than certain numbers and stuff. And they have a website where you can report this stuff. But you have to put in your personal information to report it. I would be very hesitant to do that. Is it narc.ca? <laughs> 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 go undercover for us today. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of strange. But then on the on the flip side, I was talking to my family in Texas, and they are like, oh, yeah, we just went out and had Mexican food at the Mexican restaurant. Like, it's no big deal. Like, it's just it, – it's like this completely different world. Like, here, I haven't been to a restaurant since March um, to, to eat in. And in Texas, I guess – and my mom, my mom said to me, she goes, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal. I said to her, I said, it doesn't sound like things have changed very much for you. <laughs> so <laughs> – Ouch. <laughs> Harsh but true. <laughs> so anyway, um, when you submit, you know, when you go to the website to submit, just use Pandy Readerson. <laughs> I'm sure Randy would would be very thankful for us doing that. Pandy, not Randy. <laughs> it's a completely different person, Stephen. I don't know what you're talking about. Totally, totally. Um, I want to talk about street food I like and, junk food and the history of street food and uh, the discovery made in Pompeii. Uh, Seth, you sent the link to a group of us. Uh, I'll let you talk about it, but I, I found it a, a fascinating story. Yeah, so the gist of it is that uh, there's you know Pompeii, uh, massive was it Mount Etna? Is that the volcano? Yes. Right, massive volcanic uh, eruption buried the city very quickly, and super opportunity to sort of go back and excavate and look through because it literally was sort of you know no one got away, so or very few got away, and so it was sort of a very good snapshot in time. And one of the new areas that they've started. Uh, excavating and uh, exploring. It's not open for visitors yet, which is good because no one should be visiting, probably. Um, although you can fly Delta to Rome without uh, quarantine if you get tested in Atlanta and when you arrive. Um, but they found what's called a termopolium. Uh, I think termopolium. Uh, and it's the, that's the Latin word for, word for a hot drinks counter. And effectively, it's like an exceptionally well-preserved food market or food stalls and it's like a hot food counter and it's got like holes in the countertop where the giant columns were stored for terracotta jars with hot food um beautiful uh frescoes painted on the front that from the pictures and video i've seen on this report look incredibly well preserved like bright colors and stuff still 
it's super cool. Um, and like most places, uh, like what's good for me with most foreign travel, uh, it's picture menus. <laughs> and what, what was the featured items, I guess, like the dishes? Was there food? Was there just drink? Was there everything? No, it was both. It was <laughs> both. So they had uh, – uh, chicken and duck uh, were options. I'm you know rereading this article now because there's uh, drinking like bowls kind of, were found nearby. Um, yeah, there, some, there's a little bit some of kind of fish stew. I think they mentioned was like yeah, traces of pork, fish, snails, and beef were found in some of the containers. Um, yeah, it's just super super interesting um, to see this extra stuff. Like the, the yellow in the paint in these pictures is just really like that's you know two thousand years old, but obviously it was buried. But like super bright yellow paint is kind of amazing to me. And the fact that basically the structure of the uh, mar- of this stall is effectively unchanged 2,000 years later, except this one was semi-permanent. like Or not semi-permanent. This one was permanent, right? I mean, it was you know built and constructed and whatnot. But like lots of little containers for different foods and stuff. And you'd walk up and they'd pull pull stuff out of a con- out of one of the jars, serve it to you, and you'd move on. Very little has changed in that context, I feel like. Now, was What's there a um... letter rating in the window? <laughs> this is not New York City, Foz. We don't score, th- you know, healthcare. Uh, uh, health- it, uh, it started in California, California, well before New York did it. Did it? Yes. Um, I did. I do have to agree with you, Seth. The yellow color in the paint, being as preserved as it was, is amazing to me. Like it's just, I mean, kind of like what were they using? What kind of radioactive? Yeah, uh, paint were they using to make it last that long? <laughs> I guess the counterpoint to that is most paint fades because of UV sun exposure, and this That's was true. buried yeah. forever. So the good news, bad news, it's great now, but unless they put like uh, some sort of cover over it, um, it's going to fade eventually. It's going to fade. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is. I mean, it's a really cool story from the perspective of like you know we as a group, you, me, and Foz, we we enjoy street food. Uh, and I, I was just watching something the other day uh, about Bangkok and the street food there. And it, it took me back, Foz, to when you and I went to Singapore. Uh, I think I had this discussion like three years ago around Christmas time. Uh, and you got introduced to lime water. Oh, uh, God, that. And and uh, when I say introduced, you were then quickly addicted um, and, and demanding it. <laughs> evil, evil. <laughs> but delicious. So it, 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 it's like it's like just one of those things that you kind of crave when you travel is tasting the food on the street because it does everywhere you go. There's usually something cooking somewhere and you smell it and you want to try it. Yeah. You remember when they thought when Bangkok or Thailand sort of threatened to kill off the street food markets there mm-hmm. a few years ago? That didn't go so well. Yeah, they, they revolted. <laughs> yeah. So next up, Montenegro Airlines uh, is finished. They're done. I honestly no didn't know they had ever begun. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> Without trying, you know, I don't have to try to be too snarky, right? Without trying to be too snarky, one of my, I often wonder, like, is there a reason some of these airlines exist? Mm. And other than sort of pride of national government in this case, right? It's an, it was sort of the national carrier and they are planning to recapitalize as a new airline uh, next year, six to nine months from now. So it's not like the government isn't willing to just keep spending the money. It's just that the government can't, under EU rules, uh, subsidize the old operation. They have to let it collapse and then fund a new one. Otherwise, hmm. state state aid. Other than Alitalia, apparently everybody pays attention to these sorts of rules. Um, or, <laughs> it, was, it was something like that is how I understood the, uh, the situation. So, um, yeah, it's... 
it's an interesting uh, challenge, I guess. But I, I don't know. I like so you're Montenegro Airlines. Obviously, you can fly from the capital to lots and lots of places if you want. Um, except you don't have that many planes, and you don't go to all that many places. Like, is it really better than like to do that rather than I don't know, say um, better or worse? But like, could you get not get decent service from other places, other bigger airlines? Like, does does every small country in Europe or every even big country in Europe need its own airline or multiple airlines compared to like, it's, it's almost to me like every state in the U S having a different airline. Yeah. In so, some ways, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I was looking up cause I wanted to see where, you know, the, the capital airport is uh Podgorica. Podgorica? I don't know how to say it. I hope I'm not butchering it too badly. Um, and I, I'm on Wikipedia and there's literally no, uh, Montenegro Airlines listings. I don't know if they've already been removed. They have. Okay. Where did they fly? Vienna, uh, Paris, Frankfurt, Rome, Moscow. So all those are hubs for <laughs> other airlines, right? Uh, then Belgrade, Ljubljana, and Zurich. Uh, Ljubljana and Zurich also are hubs for other airlines. Um, then they had seasonal service to Gatwick, St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, Munich, Leipzig, Hanover, Dusseldorf, Lyon, and Copenhagen. Interesting. So, I guess, and I guess, right, you know, would you have gotten nonstop seasonal service to Copenhagen from um, either Tivat, which is another place that they operate from the hub, or Podgorica? Maybe, maybe not. Like, on the one hand, having your national airline to do that for you is great. On the other hand, offer EasyJet or Ryanair or Wizz Air free landing fees, and they'll just show up and run it for you. <laughs> but seriously, like if, if you're looking at it from an economic perspective, how many millions of dollars or euros or whatever are you going to spend running an airline if the goal is just to improve tourism or whatever those things are? Yeah, then like you, you don't need, it doesn't need to be your own airline. What you need is mm. the people, not the not the planes. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you really want the planes, is it just an I don't know? It seems like sort of an arrogance play in some ways to me. But, but national pride. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! I mean, it's uh, yeah. It would I mean, be cool to get them as a carrier, and they'll be. I mean, like you said, they'll be back probably, right? Apparently, but you I mean part of the consideration, right? Yeah, you could get Ryan Airways or someone else to fly and subsidize a little bit or something. But a lot of those we've seen in the past, those types of arrangements fail as soon as the subsidies stop. Right. So does running an airline out of Montenegro, apparently. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not trying to – I'm coming off as a little more snarky than I probably want to. But, like, it, it, that is what's happening here. You're, they're burning cash to keep an airline running. What's the difference? It's the name on the side. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you could just uh, wet lease a plane and put your own name on the side. Yeah, which, I mean, in some ways, it's just what they're doing. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, so a Max lawyer – uh, one of the max, uh, I guess, uh, representative lawyers for the families, right, was essentially skimming funds from the victims. Is that how I read this? Yeah. And like, let's start with the guy in question is literally the lawyer that was in the subject of the movie, Aaron Brockovich. No. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with maybe he's not, hasn't had like the greatest... Uh, History. I'm almost surprised to get readmitted to the bar or wasn't disbarred for that, but whatever. Um, yeah, he. Well, that that took a turn. <laughs> it's, it's the lead in the story, Stephen. You got to blink, man. <laughs> I, I, I try to go into this show as completely unprepared as possible. Um, uh, 
Also, his wife was one of the uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, he sounds like a real character. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, the they were, and this is a known challenge for, or not challenge. This is a known, very, very well known. Do not do this at all. Thing for lawyers is commingling of funds. Um, and apparently, he was uh, pulling in money out for one, like for one thing, and sort of put paying out other bills on the for another including um perhaps some personal efforts but yeah he was uh always trying to sort of find the payouts and in this case he's got a little bit of a problem he never really had the um he he was taking in the money as like two million dollars worth of uh family payments but never paid him out wow um and now the uh his attorney is suggesting now that the, that her client may not be mentally competent. Um, trying to use that as a way to get away from censure or jail. I mean, it's criminal at some level. Yeah, absolutely. Sheesh. <sighs> so, yay. <laughs> um, what is this about uh, the Delta Psyche Val pilot? Uh, what, what is this? I, I don't know so, the story. No. A few years ago, a Delta pilot raised uh, a lot of safety concerns. And this, by the way, a pilot was like a PhD in airline safety practices. Um, you know, ran him up the flagpole, sort of a whistleblower situation. And as part of the response, the company ordered a psychiatric evaluation from its doctors. Um, that doctor flagged the the pilot as possibly bipolar and uh her medical her medical license was revoked as a result so she was no longer able to fly um and was seen as sort of a retaliatory move for raising questions around training and you know work hours and pilot fatigue and things like that uh went back and forth through the courts for years um and different appeals in different places uh the uh, Department of Labor administrative judge finally ruled that uh, she was, in fact, retaliated against. And as an added bonus, uh, explicitly stated that the current chief of the FAA uh, was involved. Because at the time, you may recall, he was, before his stint as the FAA, he was Delta's VP for flight operations or something like that. He would have been in charge of that group. And during his, it actually came up during his confirmation hearings, and there was a whole lot of other people were handling that sort of plausible deniability responses given. Um, and, you know, it definitely wasn't retaliatory. It's just, you know, it's a normal process, blah, blah, blah. The doctor who made that diagnosis was routinely used by Delta and apparently had a, miraculously, everybody referred to him, had, seemed to have a problem. Um, yeah, had bipolar disorder. Basically, he was, I mean, he was dis- <laughs> not, it's not disbarred, but whatever, he had his license revoked. He's no longer allowed to practice medicine in the state of, Cal- in the state of Illinois, which wow. is where he's based. So, um, probably not... Uh, a great uh, <laughs> resource. I don't know. It's an interesting story in a lot of ways, but you know, it's the news. The headlines are playing up as like FAA administrator, da 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 da, and like yeah, it's the same guy, but he didn't do it as the FAA administrator. So there's a little bit of a twisting there. I feel like, but do you do you think this changes how? I mean, one, did the pilot get any kind of restitution for being basically kicked out and? Um, uh, I don't know uh, if she got back pay and things like that. I know she was reinstated. Uh, I know she's uh, flying again. She's flying the 330. Um, but uh, I don't recall what the other bits were. I, yeah, that's great. She's back flying for Delta? Yeah. I, would you want that job back? <sighs> you have to think about the seniority, right? You can't go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, 
that's just crazy. I mean, in any other world, like you would just be like, I'm going to find a different job. I would think. Or go do this somewhere else. Right. I mean, seniority is a big challenge. Um, I would also make the argument of like one of the uh, parts of the ruling was Delta has to tell all the other pilots about this, like, I don't know if it's an email or whatever, like they have to announce to the rest of the pilots, we got caught doing this as a way to like call attention to the fact that it's not right and they will get in trouble if they do it again. So other people will know to, you know, pay attention. Um, so that's a sort of interesting twist on it. But also, I mean, we've joked slash quipped a little bit of like, you know, it's never safer to fly a- un- except after uh, a crash because everybody's paying attention to all the rules again. Like, you got to think she's not going to have any retaliation, retaliation issues going forward. They know she's good. Like, you know, she's got, she's got a real good chance of winning because she's already done it once. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Crazy. Um, I was going to say, you know, this reminds me of that. You've gotten into a Twitter discussion with someone today about, uh, uh, you know, the, the 1960s were such a great time to be in the air. 1936. Air, air, <laughs> uh, airports were so fast and efficient. Uh, <laughs> 1936. Convenient, and, convenient and fast in 1936. When there was only you, 30 people flying. And, like, total. Um, <laughs> and you only would spend, because you could, you could get from the uh, curb to the you know, curb to the gate in 10 minutes. Which, I mean, I've done not that long ago, um, even today. But putting that part aside, it was like, yes, and you know. If your plane doesn't get hijacked or crash or get lost or any of myriad other issues, that's an added bonus. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I, he blocked I, I'll, me by the way. Really? Yeah. Really? Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, well, it's true though. Like the 1960s, like you were you, 30s, I can't, even it's just no thirties, but I'm saying, I'm saying if you were flying in the 1960s and like, cause people always love to make the argument like, Oh, it was, such, it was the best time to fly the 1960s. Golden age of travel. Yeah. The golden, and it's like, yeah, if you were traveling then, you mostly got on the airplane and prayed that it didn't fall out of the sky because incidents were happening right and left. You know, I, they, they were just discovering jet flight with, you know, uh, a, you know the panels uh, pressuri- pressurizing and depressurizing and cracks and all these things. Yeah, that's, that's a great time to be in the air. <laughs> I do wonder, like, you know, we, of course, know all those challenges now, but I wonder, like, did people really give a shit about it other than, like, enough people were just like, I get to fly. This is amazing. <laughs> And I, I feel f- that way today. Like I, can, <laughs> I think airplanes are magic, but you know that's cool. I still, I still go flying. Yeah, I don't. I remember reasonably certain people weren't really thinking about these things. Mm. Yeah. It's not. They like didn't really know there was a problem. It's not like after the Hindenburg, people are like, you know, I don't know if I really want to take that giant airship trip anymore. They're probably just like, well, there's no, uh, uh, no hydrogen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. I read a great book about the history of. The like the whole the Hindenburg Company and sort of uh, paired against one Tripe 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 however you say his name um, Pan Am um, and sort of the two of them and how they were fighting back and forth and innovating and whatnot really interesting stuff. Um, what was the name of that book? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> He's writing it. <laughs> they are building it uh, soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, but a lot air travel will continue to evolve over as we go on because it's becoming more and more common, right? That's the reality of it. it did was, you say evolve or devolve? Devolve. Like like planes are going to start falling out of the sky again? No, the experience. Yeah, because people are animals. People are animals, but it's, it's like, <laughs> it has to do with the, the mass problem, right? The more people who do, engage in it, the more it deteriorates, mm. right? That's with anything because, it's become, because the lowest common denominator continues to go further and further down. Right? When you look at airfares today, they're less than they were 20 years ago. Yeah. Not even without factoring into inflation. I, I just wonder 
Yeah. I mean, how much more can it devolve? We'll just be all standing up and it'll be hurt. It will just be cattle in the back of an airplane, I guess. Empires <laughs> of the Sky. Empires of the Sky. That's the book. That's, that's, what that's the about. book. Sorry. What were you guys yes. talking about? I was busy being a producer for half a second. There. <laughs> no, uh, Foz was just saying it's devolved because yeah. the more people you add. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure I'm willing to concede that more people getting to do something means it's gone gotten worse. No, I, I was referring to the experience. I'm not yeah. saying the experience is devolving because it's the lowest common denominator. It keeps going further and further down. But, but that's with anything that goes from uh, niche to mainstream. I th- I think – wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I'm going to take that argument. I'm going to go a different direction with that argument. So if, I, if I've got avocado toast and it's like the niche thing oh my God. and like really cool and then you add people to it, does that make the avocado toast worse? Yeah, because now you get more crappy avocado toast because everyone's trying to do it. <laughs> this is okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. As you, one hipster you, to another. You, uh. you have this magical experience of avocado toast. You go to some new place and like, oh, avocado toast. I'll get this. And it's literally a chunk of avocado on a piece of white toast. That's true. Not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Seth still isn't paying attention. <laughs> That's okay. He's producing. <laughs> I don't like avocado toast. It's fine. <laughs> And I already uh, have a house, so, you know. <laughs> the, the best part of most avocado toast is just deconstructed guacamole on toast. Yes. <laughs> That's why I don't like it. Which you know, I don't like guacamole, but, you know. Okay. You, I was going to say, you don't like guacamole? I love guacamole, but it doesn't – I don't think it belongs on bread. I think it should be on chips or other, you know, tortilla-related foods. <laughs> well, for tortilla uh, is a type of bread, no? And yet, here we are. We've come full circle. To what? I have no idea. I don't think there's anything full here except the shit that's in us, like us and shit. Well, we're going. We're ending the year in a true fashion. Yeah, <laughs> completely we're, derailed. We're completely derailed because we can't do it in Europe this year. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Um, what else did I have here? Oh, so I saw a article on Reuters about the EPA is finally getting around to ruling on airplane emissions. Yes, they've uh, created uh, – they finally issued the guidelines of what air, like the policies and you know whatever airlines have to comply with for new aircraft going forward. Is is this going to this, – this really won't be anything happening immediately. This, this won't take effect until 2028? Nothing's going to happen at all. All of the existing planes already qualify. Oh, okay. It doesn't actually require any reduction of emissions of any existing aircraft that's ready to be produced. So how is this even a story then? Because the EPA finally issued the guidance. Oh, so they got around to doing their job. Got and did it poorly. <laughs> uh, Look, when, when Boeing comes out and is super excited by the new rules around emissions for an airplane or aircraft manufacturers, you know it's not that good for the industry. Yeah, actually, it's not good for uh, the climate. It's great for the industry, but I mean, yeah. Um, I'll I'll throw a link in the notes uh, in the show notes to a Twitter thread from uh, a guy I pay attention to who's works in climate emission stuff, um, where he picks it apart pretty good and. Basically, all it does is say, ah, the ICAO standards that were set up are good enough, we'll vaguely follow them, ignoring the fact that the ICAO standards are like absolute minimum possible anything and like don't actually require emissions to drop by 2040 or 2050, really, so much as like hope other technologies come along and people do other things instead. Hmm. Wow. Um, let's see. I guess the last topic we can talk about is uh, – there's probably two topics. Uh, Alaska has promised, in air quotes, uh, blocking middle seats, uh, but only in premium class. And, and, you know, only if no one else shows up. 
It's so, not quite that bad. It's not quite that bad. It's, this isn't like the United of early, early, earlier this year, like, oh, we won't sell the middle seats, by which they meant they wouldn't assign middle seats. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main difference is that they, carry, they are reserving the right to fill the middle seats if there's uh, irregular operations, mostly. Interesting. Um, but there's two typos in the fine print, which drives me batty, um, especially because I know some of the people that work in there, like marketing and copywriting department. Um, open middle seats are not guaranteed. Certain occasions, such as aircraft changes or recommending, instead of reaccommodating, guests from a previously canceled flight may require guests to be seated next to someone not in their party. If you're uncomfortable with the distance between you and others on your day of travel, please speak with a customer service agent about your options. Um, they will not be blocking any seats on planes that uh, that don't have middle seats. So if it's a 2-2 layout, you're just is what it is. And if you are in a party of three or more and, you know, theoretically can sit in a middle seat without sitting next to a stranger, they reserve the right to force you to do that in order to leave additional seats open for others. Hmm. So it's not necessarily a perfect way to get a free middle seat, but it probably will. But I don't know the, the whole, like, I, I get the, like, we have to reserve, you know, the, at some level we reserve the right to like, make sure everybody actually gets where they're going. If we had to cancel a flight. Um, and, but, and at the same time, like this is still better than United and what they're doing, which is not blocking middle seats at all. Yeah. I mean, other than Delta, is anyone really blocking? Anyone? I mean, I mean, Alaska is still for this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they have been. They have been. Yes. I mean, and th- this is through May thirty first, so they're actually extending that out beyond what Delta had um, announced. I think Delta's through March for regular seats. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's better than nothing, um, and they certainly can almost certainly can afford. Like it's it's a relatively cheap give because the planes aren't selling out right now, but. Except for except for Christmas week, I mean, like we talked about earlier, planes were, were a lot of passengers this month or this week. So, I mean, you want to talk about that briefly? I mean, you mentioned a million passengers for how many days prior to Christmas? Six, six of the last ten, seven of the last ten. Wow. One point two uh, eight million on the twenty seventh on Sunday. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six out of ten days between the eighteenth and the twenty seventh, um, or over a million. And yet, we didn't see a lot of like images of packed airports like we did for thanksgiving uh i mean they were available i think i saw plenty Uh, Mm. but like i don't know i I guess like it's old now no one cares less of a a story yeah yeah oh boy we we tried to scare people not scare we tried to convince people not to travel on thanksgiving because it's not good for society and tried to use the pictures and it didn't work so like why bother this time (laughs) not gonna waste the ink uh yeah so, in cool route news, since this is a show that's called Dots, Lines, and Destinations, in a cool line, Azores Air is has announced uh, Punta de Gata to Bermuda, and I really want that line. Yeah. Uh, how long of a flight is this? 2,200 miles. Really? Wow. Okay. That's further than I thought. Um should have had a little contest there. I probably could have made some money off you guys. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got it. Uh, yeah, the other, the one from a couple weeks ago, San Diego or Tijuana to Tijuana to Cancun. Cancun. Yeah, yeah, super long. Um, another five hour flight. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty long flight. Um, and actually, I think I was looked at the Great Circle Mapper nips the uh, Etops edge of the Etops one twenty to one thirty eight line. So you actually, I mean, I, I assume all their aircraft are Etops one thirty eight or more, anyways, so can fly. Longer distances over water, they have the ratings and whatnot. But yeah, yeah it's interesting. I like yeah. the line. Sorry. Yeah, if if uh, sets around a four five hour flight, four hour, yeah, four and a half, four and a half to five. Yeah. Are they going to fly it as a red eye in the easterly direction? Or have it said? I did not look at the schedule. Mm. 
No, I'm not they, sure. I've seen it yet. Will they sell you Boston to Bermuda via Puerto Delgado? Oh, that would be <laughs> awesome. Um, I like the way you think. I like the cut of your jib. Uh, <laughs> someone, uh, Raphael, the guy who posted the initial load, also mentioned you can fly, you know, mainland North America to Bermuda to Puerto Delgado to continental Europe. Uh, if you go to Paris, then you can fly to St. Pierre. Uh, oh. which is in the fr- next summer because that service is coming back too. Um, St. Pierre and Miecon, uh, the sort of little outpost of France that sits off the coast of Canada mm-hmm. in the Maritimes. Um, that, they're bringing that service back and then from there to Halifax and then back onward to wherever you actually want to be. Well, then you could tack on the new Air Greenland routes. Oh, yeah. Those are to Halifax? I thought one was to-, to Halifax. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to check what those are going to be. Um, I do know that they're, they, or they're getting their new A330. 800. 800. That's right. They're the third airline to commit of with a total of like 12 frames sold now. It's uh, Toronto, direct to Nook and Illuslisat. Illuslisat. All right. Uh, and then they're also going to start Where's Ottawa, Iqualit, Nook, uh, and then Ottawa to uh, Iqualit to Illuslisat. I don't know how to say awesome. it. Awesome. And I guess from there you can probably continue on to Denmark or uh, Iceland. I believe the long-haul flights go from Nook. Yeah. Interesting. So they're talking inter- about moving it, moving them. They just need longer runway at the other airport. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Nook will be extended from 950 meters to 2200 meters, enabling both and, and Iqualat, Iluilua Sat will be extended as well, and they'll be able to take bigger aircraft. So interesting stuff. Air Greenland. I've, I mean, I've, I've wanted to fly them. They aren't the cheapest carrier out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's less about the cheapest. It's the thought of sitting on a Q4 for so long. <laughs> uh, Ricky Victor Nook. Mm, no. <laughs> I I would love to do that. I mean, is Bermuda to Punta Gata, is that going to be on a uh, narrow body? Is that the plan? Or have, have they said? I haven't seen it on the schedule. Let me see if I can pull it up while we're chatting. Because then, I mean, then you could really do some interesting things like all these island hopping uh, routes via narrow body aircraft. Oh, yes. And I think the only one, the only, the only way, the only things that wouldn't be possible yet would be uh, Southern Hemisphere routings around the world on a, a narrow body. Yeah, fully antipodal. Yeah. Here we go. Punta Delgado to Bermuda is an 8.15 a.m. flight on an A321 operating on Sundays from June 6th to September 26th. Um, it will leave at 8.15 a.m. and arrive at 10.25 a.m., uh, which means it will be a daytime return. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, and the, yeah, the, the plane will then return at 1140 out of Bermuda and arrive at 725 in Punta Delgado, also on Sundays. Hmm. And and talk about that St. Pierre flight. That's going to be a daytime return to the to the to Europe, right, from St. Pierre. So they're going to yeah, they're going to do a daytime flight from uh, Orly. I think it's Orly, right, uh, to St. Pierre. And then uh, the crew will spend the night and then they'll do they'll get their rest and they'll return the next day to, for a daytime flight. Back to Orly, no, they nice. so they stay with the plane. Yeah, so that'd be that'd be. I, I would like to get all those. That'd be fantastic. Let's see if any of these actually fly. <laughs> Let's uh, see. Speaking if- of, apparently JetBlue pulled uh, Palm Springs Fort Lauderdale off the schedule. Finally, wow. Having tried to sell any seats on it, they have given up. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it'll operate some, but they definitely have. I, I was reading through Brett's list; they've definitely killed it. Um, uh, Orlando Jacksonville, another fun line on Frontier. Orlando, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, they're well, about two, two, two and a half hours apart drive wise. As a, as a as a as a native Floridian, Seth, yes. What is the clientele on that route? 
the U.S. Department of Transportation. That's what I figured. Okay. <laughs> uh, my 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 expectation is that this is being added to. The, it's only for four weeks or so, and it's only on Saturdays. I believe it's being added to the route plan to meet what will be assumed the care the new CARES Act requirements for getting funding, which is you can't cut service to any existing destinations. Mm. And so this is the cheapest way for them to operate to Jacksonville once a week and meet that minimum ob- service obligation. Um, there is no other explana- rational explanation. It's not a triangle route. It's literally an out and back with a 35-minute sit uh, up in Jacksonville. Well, fun stuff. Uh, I think that was it for the show, guys. I mean, what kind of breeze through that one anything else um we definitely have a few topics to talk about in our bonus episode we do including my uh wafting on other purchases that are not airplane tickets um also do want a quick shout out to some of our new patrons uh this past month uh jamin watson henry chen nick benson thank you guys all for subscribing and supporting us uh other people if you want to you can find us on patreon i think we're patreon.com slash lines destinations but if not there's certainly links on the site to do that um a couple bucks here and there helps keep us moving. So we appreciate that. Um, and there's always a little bit of extra content for you along the way. Yeah. So to our Patreon supporters, thank you again. And uh, to our regular listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more lines.com. Uh, until next time, happy travels. Take care. See you later.